I believe the root of all evil is abuse of power, so wrote Patricia Cornwell, US crime writer. The truth is that all men having power ought to be mistrusted. That was said by the fourth president of the United States, James Madison. Giving power and money to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. Uh, That was written by an American journalist and libertarian critic, P.J. O'Rourke. He is not a friend of Mr. Trump's when you read stuff he writes. When the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. I was really surprised to read that that was said by Jimi Hendrix. I just thought he was uh, a guitarist who was very high on drugs. There's a bit more to him than that. And finally, power tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. Famous statement by a British Member of Parliament, Lord Acton, in the 1860s. We know there are great dangers in desiring power. So why then does the Apostle Paul, of all people, have as one of his big prayers a prayer for power? It's because the Ephesians and us need power if we are to live successfully as a Christian. In this letter to the Christians living in Ephesus in the first century, Paul's been writing enthusiastically of God's grace and love in working through Christ to bring the Ephesian Gentiles with all the other Gentiles into his people. It's no longer only the Jews who have a special relationship with God. Now God has reconciled both the Jews and Gentiles to himself through Jesus' death on the cross. So there's one multiracial family who both have access to God the Father through one spirit, who both have God's spirit at work in them. And that's really great news And Paul wants them to grow to be more like God, so he prays for their heavenly Father to exercise his power in them through the Spirit. And his prayer for the Ephesians we're looking at here should be a model prayer for us because he prays, one, power for strength, and secondly, power for knowledge. Let's have a think about power for strength I imagine many of you recently saw that fun movie, Crazy Rich Asians. One of the striking things in that movie is the amazing wealth of the people who are featured. As one one character commented, those people aren't just rich, they're crazy rich. There seemed no limit to what could be spent on a party or a wedding. Or take a favourite scene of mine from the Justice League movie. A bank near the end, this is near the end, a bank has foreclosed on Superman's family farm. And at the end of the movie, when as Clark Kent, he is is walking with Batman, who is Bruce Wayne at the time, he says to him, how did you get the house back from the bank? Bruce Wayne, I bought the bank. And as Batman explained to another character in the movie, when asked what his superpower was, I'm rich. You think that's rich, though? Well, a heavenly Father is the God who made the world, 
who raised his son from the de- from death, who held back rivers, who turned back armies, who brings down kings. That is just a small indicator of the glorious riches. In other words, the limitless resources our father can employ for the sake of his children. So what's the first thing you'd ask of someone with unlimited and resources like God? Well, if it's good enough for the apostle, it should be good enough for us, shouldn't it? Look at verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Of all the things he could ask for the Ephesians, Paul picks up on being strengthened with God's power. And it doesn't mean physical strength. It's a spiritual strength they need. Paul prays that the Father will use his spirit to strengthen their faith in Christ. That's what he's saying there in verse 17. He's just said in 16... Uh, that he asked God to strengthen the Ephesians at the centre or the the inner being where their will and their thoughts or emotions are, strengthen them, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The the Ephesians need their faith in Christ strengthened so they'll keep trusting Christ, keep serving Christ, whatever happens. What does the Christian who is sick need? What does the Christian without a job need? What does the Christian with mental anguish need? What does the Christian with lots of financial pressures need? What's the first thing you should ask for someone in any of those situations? If you pray for someone in that situation, what is that you ask for them? Do you ask for healing, a job, for peace, for money? Do that. But first, pray like Paul, pray for God's power to strengthen their faith. Nothing is going to help a person cope with their situation more than strengthened faith. Do you pray for power or strength for your Christian friend? Don't just worry and talk about them and their problems. Pray for them. Paul moves on to ask God for power for knowledge. Knowledge is power, allegedly said Francis Bacon, the 16th century politician and philosopher. More recently, the former General Secretary of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, he updated the famous saying by putting it this way, knowledge is power, information is liberating, education is the premise of progress in every society in every family. Well, Paul prays that God will give the Ephesians the power of knowledge, but I want you to work out knowledge of what as I read. As I read from the second half of verse 17, work out knowledge of what? I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What what is it that Paul's praying for? Knowledge of what? What is it? I think I heard it. Uh, The love of Christ. It's the knowledge 
of the love of Christ. You see it there in verse 18. Paul assumes the Father's favourable answer to his earlier prayer for their strength and faith. So since they're standing firm in Christ's love, verse 17, he then prays that God will give the Ephesians the power to grasp the depth of Christ's love for them. He wants them to really know this love. It's not just intellectual. It's not just knowing about Christ's love, that Christ loved them so much that he died on the cross for them. No, it's a, a spiritual and it's an emotional thing. It, it's, it's, it captured words like know, realise, sense, feel Christ's love. To grasp that Christ's love is big in all directions. You've got that idea in verse 18, how wide and long and high and deep. It's big in all directions, so big that you really can't finally limit it. Verse 19, it's love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it's limitless. It sounds like a sort of contradiction, doesn't it, when Paul says there in 19, to know this love that surpasses knowledge as if, You've got to know something that you can't know. But actually, I think the reason we don't understand that is we keep thinking that of this is like an information that you can measure. No, Christ's love has no fixed quantity. It's like the love of a parent for a child. It goes on and on. Have you seen those trailers for the new movie, Beautiful Boy?, True story about a father and a son where the son has a serious drug addiction. And Steve Carell plays the father going out of his mind trying to save his son from himself. It's really interesting, I think, to see Steve Carell, who we're normally used to seeing in comedies in this role. The trailer has this clever bit of jumping through three scenes. You know how trailers mess it up when you get there. It's nothing like what you're expecting. And maybe that's what will happen with this when I get to see it. But in the three scenes, you see the the son aged, I don't know, four and then 12 and then 22. And in each scene, the father and son are hugging. And each time the same line is repeated, I love you more than anything. Well, Christ loves us more than anything. He he gave up his own life to save ours. That's amazing love, isn't it? Christ's love is so great, maybe we can never fully appreciate it. But that doesn't mean... We shouldn't try to get to know it more deeply because knowing Christ's love more deeply makes a really big difference to how you live. Notice again that it isn't our love for Christ that's being spoken about. Paul wants the Ephesians to better understand Christ's love for them. No matter how much we now know of the love of Christ, there's always more to know and experience. Now, when do you most need to grasp more deeply the love of Christ for you? When when is God most likely to answer this prayer in a particularly powerful way in your life? When you feel rejected by others? When things go wrong and you wonder if God really cares? When you fail and let him down and wonder, can he really love me now? When you doubt whether being a Christian is really the best way to live life. When I have those times, I hope someone will be praying a prayer like this for me. When you you hit those times, you better hope someone is praying a prayer like this for you. 
but will you be for them? Maybe it'll be hard times like that, or maybe it'll be just on a good day when you're enjoying the sunshine or reading a familiar Bible passage or singing a particular hymn or song at church and it'll just hit you in a fresh, overwhelming way, like a a sudden wave at the beach. Jesus loves me so much. This is a great prayer that we grasp more deeply the love of Christ. But notice Paul's ultimate aim with this prayer for power to know Christ's love isn't just for us to feel good or encouraged. It doesn't stop with us. Look at the end of verse 19. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul sees that as we better know Christ's love, we become more like God. We, we become more spiritually mature. That's what he means there by those words in 19, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God is love, and as you grow in your experience of God's love, of Christ's love, you'll grow to be more loving and more like God. To put it another way, unless we're empowered to better know and grasp Christ's love, we won't be as spiritually mature as we should be. Little illustration of that. I was reading about Robert from Armenia in the latest newsletter of the Bible League organisation. They're another organisation that support the persecuted church. Robert's parents left him to grow up with his grandparents when they decided to leave Armenia due to economic turmoil, and I imagine they were struggling with employment and things. They took their younger son with them, left Robert behind, and he grew to hate his parents for what he saw as abandoning him. He continued to reject them after they returned in his high school years. And his rejection and his hurt and his pain when he got to university led him into heavy use of drugs, alcohol, doubling in the occult. At uni, he meets a guy called Alex, who turns out to be a Christian. At first, Robert is angered by this guy who says he believes in God because Robert blames God for destroying his childhood. Anyway, Alex doesn't give up on befriending Robert. And one day, Robert shares that he'd love to learn English, which gives Alex the opportunity to invite him to a Bible-based literacy class at Alex's church. The way the Bible League works through the world is through these Bible-based literacy where you obviously learn the Bible uh, at the same time as learning English. And this is what happened when he went along to the class for the first time. The pastor shared a story of a lost and broken man who found Jesus. I started crying because it felt like the pastor was speaking about me. I felt the Holy Spirit convicting me and at that moment I gave my heart to Jesus. I finally found peace and love in God, says Robert. And here's the point of sharing the story. Robert goes on. I have also reunited with my parents, whom I love so much, all because of God's saving grace. As Robert has grown in his experience of God's love, he's become more loving of others, (laughs) even the parents he thought abandoned him. That, don't you reckon, is a testimony to the power of God's Holy Spirit at work in him, that Robert is growing more filled to the measure 
of the fullness of God. We're to be growing as a prayerful church here at St Mark's. You know, if you're ever not sure what to pray for someone, there are so many wonderful prayer examples in Paul's letters. Just open up your Bible and look up one of Paul's letters and you scan around. Normally in chapter 1 you'll find one of them. Here you know from now on there's one in chapter 3 of Ephesians as well as chapter 1 of Ephesians. If you're not sure what to pray for people, tonight we've seen pray for power, for power for strength of faith, for power to know Christ's love more deeply. I wonder if you do pray for your fellow Christians, for people in your service, in your growth group, for Dave and I. How are we going to be strengthened in faith and deepen our experience of Christ's love if you don't pray? How are you going to grow to be more like God if we don't pray? for your Holy Spirit, strength and faith and greater grasp of Christ's love. Lord Acton thought absolute power corrupts. Ultimately, we know, though, don't we, that only God wields absolute power in this world. And the wonderful thing is that he uses his power to answer our prayers. As Paul reminds us here in verse 20 of our passage, praying for power to be at work in each other, is a smart move because, let's look at verse 20, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Let's pray.